So please, if you could turn with me to a most wonderful passage of Scripture in the book of John, and I'd like you to turn to John chapter 21 with us. And we're going to be reading from verse 15. And uh, while you see the Scripture up there, just ask God just to help you to love His Word even as we read it in just a few moments. Jonathan Swift, the author of Gulliver's Travels, said, We have just enough religion to make us hate, but not enough to make us love one another. Obviously a secular writer and his understanding of the world that we live in. Then Johann Wolfgang von Gucci says, if you treat a man as he is, he will stay as he is. But if you treat him as if he were what he ought to be and could be, he will become bigger and a better man. And then Catherine Ann Porter writes, love must be learned and learned again and again. There is no end to it. Hate needs no instruction, but waits only to be provoked. And when we look at the culture that we are living in today, uh, these words are no more truer than what we have encountered over the last little while. The culture we live in completely misunderstands the principle of love and dare I even say the church. One of the cruelest and most self-condemning remarks I've ever heard is one that men often use when they leave their wife for another wife. And they say this, the truth is that I never loved you. This is meant to be as an attack on the wife from a Christian person, saying, in effect, the truth is I never found you lovable. But put in a Christian context, it's a confession of a man's utter failure actually to be a Christian. If he hasn't loved his wife, it is not the fault of his wife, but his. Jesus calls us to love even the unlovable. Even our enemies, so a man who says, I've never loved you, is a man who is essentially saying, I've never acted like a Christian towards you. When we love well, we please God. For me, the best way for someone to get into my good books is to be kind to my children. You see, all children... All Christians are God's children. By loving one another, we bring enormous pleasure to our Heavenly Father. And um, I just love the story that we're going to be looking at today because it encapsulates these quotes. It encapsulates the times that we live in. The world is so torn apart by so many issues. And I believe the church ought to be that pillar that God has placed within the world that should stand high when we talk about love. And I believe as 
in no other time within the world as in this present, the church should really shine in this area. I get phone call after phone call from people who talk to me about the issues that's going on in the world. I get phone calls from people all over the world, and I did this week, who's talking to me about just my perspective on a whole number of things. And at the end of the day, it boils down to how we love one another, how we love others, and how we even love the unlovable, our enemies. And the church should champion the cause of love because the church is inextricably linked to the one who has shown the most love that anyone has ever shown, and that is God. God our Father through the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're gonna read a story that teaches us a little bit about love today. And I would like us as Christians to really sit up and to say, Lord, speak to me practically how I can stand up as a pillar within my home, within my community, within my work environment, and certainly with the people that I come in contact with as a pillar of love. Because love is such an awesomely strong force. And so let's read together from John chapter 21. Reading from verses 15 to 25. And this is what the scripture says. And this is obviously Jesus interacting with Simon Peter. When they had finished eating, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now the word for love here is the word agape, which is the God type of love. And um, it's the deepest, it's the purest kind of love. It is totally unconcerned of self. So Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Agape me? Do you love me more than these? And of course, the debate is always on what did he mean with more than these? Was it the other disciples around him, his friends that he's very close to? Was it maybe the profession that he was involved in? Fishing, do you love me more than your profession or those things that you are passionate about? I'll leave that for you to answer. Then Simon Son of John says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But straight away, Peter doesn't use the same word in response that Jesus used, the word agape. He uses the word phileo. And phileo is a term that is used for friendship love. And so he says to the Lord, Lord, I love you as a friend. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? That means, do you love me with the highest type of love, the love that I've showed you? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you as a brother. Jesus says, take care of my sheep. The third time he says to him, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? Isn't that interesting? Jesus stops using the word agape, and he uses the word phileo. He says, okay, Peter, I get where you're coming from. He says, do you love me as a brother? 
Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you as a brother. And what's happening right here before we read on any further is that when you look at Peter's personality, before he denied the Lord Jesus Christ, I guarantee you, Peter would have responded and said, Lord, you know that I agape you. I love you with the God type of love. Remember, Peter said, Lord, if, anybody, if everybody forsakes you, I will never forsake you. Yet that was within his heart. Yet there was a touch of arrogance there. After he failed and he denied the Lord, and he comes back and he has this conversation, there is a humility within his heart. He understands the limitations within his life. He understands that his whole life has been turned inside out, and what is inside of his heart is shown. And I love this place of humility that Peter is in. He's totally honest with the Lord and he says, Lord, you know what I've been through. You know what I've gone through. You know that I've denied you. I didn't stand with you in your greatest hour of trial and need. So how can you ask me whether I love? Not much has changed within my heart. I thought I was this, but I'm actually that. And that's a real sign of humility within our lives where we actually admit who we are. And yet we open up our hearts for Christ to transform and to change us. And this is where we find Simon Peter. And it's interesting that the word love is used here. Jesus could have used all kinds of other words like, Peter, do you have faith in me? He didn't use the word faith. He says, Peter, do you have hope in me? He didn't use that. He used the word love because love when understood and experienced, has the possibility to truly transform us like very, very few things can. And then we go on and we read further in verse 16. Jesus said, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Verily I tell you, where you were younger, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted to. But when you were old, you would stretch out your hands and someone else would dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following him. This is the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Then Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that the disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you. As a matter of fact, John was the last apostle who actually died. Isn't that interesting? We read on the, the book of Revelation on the Isle of Patmos. And so we see that's a partial fulfillment of the prophecy here. This is the disciple who testified to these things and who wrote them down, John. We know that this testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. My friends, 
I want to talk to us today about choosing the way of love in the times that we are in. Choosing the way of love. I've been challenged over the last number of months more so than in any way to choose the way of love because there are so many other ways that I could choose when it comes to walking through all of the challenges that you and I are actually experiencing. And it's very interesting when you look at this passage of Scripture, at the moment of Peter's greatest period of restoration, God speaks to him about love. And he speaks to him about the type of love that he needs to have, and he explains to him about love. Peter's whole life up to this point was characterized by someone who had great faith in many different areas. But in the moment when he needed to really step up, he actually ran away. And he gave in to the deep things that were within his heart that wasn't actually quite worked out here yet. And so Jesus meets Peter at his greatest point of need here, He speaks to him about the issues that was on Jesus' heart. And it's very interesting. It was one of the last conversations recorded that we have Jesus speaking to Peter in such depth and in such a personal way. The other disciples were around him, but not too far away, but I think just close enough for him to have a personal conversation. Actually, just close enough for John to be seen, and Peter saw him, as the scripture tells us here. And so Jesus interacts with him, and he speaks to him about his life. He speaks to him about um, Jesus' life for Peter. He speaks to Peter about those things that are on his heart for the church and for others. These are the things that is really important to Jesus. And so we see here that he enters into the discussion and he says to Peter, Peter, for you to serve me and to follow me, it is gonna require a love that you really never have experienced in depth up to this point. And I wanna challenge us as Christians today that for us to keep the faith, for us to follow the cause of Christ, for us to not veer off into all of the sideshows that are going on within the world, we are going to need to challenge ourselves to choose the way of love. And the love I'm talking about is the love that is centered in the Lord Jesus Christ. Another way of putting it, the love that is centered in the gospel. To further explain on the word gospel, it is a love that is centered on the greatest act that was ever displayed before man, which was the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was absolutely sinless, walked on the earth for 33 years, the one who was eternal as God coming to the earth and taking the form of man and and having been mocked throughout his 30 years of life, particularly the last three, because Jesus died at the age of 33. And this life that was taken 
as a sacrificial act of love and was given to all of mankind so that she may have life and have it more abundantly. The gospel has everything to do with Jesus doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves so that our sins can be forgiven, so that our guilt can be taken away, and so that the wrath of God that was meant for us could be satisfied within the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for mankind that was sinful, who didn't deserve it, and mankind who definitely was so far away from deserving this type of love, but he did it in any case. My friends, this is the type of love that the church is going to need to pursue for us to be that beacon of light, for us to be that pillar of strength, to ground a world that is getting it terribly wrong. And so Jesus speaks to Peter at about this type of love. You, when you read the book of Acts, you'll find out that Peter stood tall during some of the most difficult periods in church history because he had a love for God that was born out of this conversation that helped him to be a beacon of light in a world that was very dark, to be a pillar of strength to a world where everything around him was crumbling. But he stood, and in many respects, Peter was seen as one of the pillars of the church. We know the scripture where Jesus said, you know, upon this rock I will build my church. Now we know it's not Peter, but it was similar aspects to what Peter would give into the church. My friends, I do believe from time to time, Jesus wants to have a conversation with us about love. I believe at times Jesus wants to come to us and he would say, Petrus Johannes Wallace, son of Detlef Christian Alexander Wallace, do you love me more than these? He wants to have that conversation with me as he wants to have that conversation with you. And he would say, Peter, do you agape me? And at times, Peter would have to say, Lord, you know that I flay you because I know my actions. I know my attitudes towards my wife, towards my children, towards my colleagues, towards the people out there. Jesus wants to have a conversation with us because he wants to renew and restore our hearts so that we can love as he does. And this word agape love, it's such an interesting word because it's a selfless love. It's the type of love that Jesus showed to us. You see, God the Father sent Jesus to the earth to die for us. And Jesus turned to his Father and said, I will do that. Selfless love. And he died for a world that is not very much appreciative of that sacrificial life when you look at what's going on around us. But the agape love is a selfless love. And the selfless love was to um, achieve the full 
purposes of God for mankind. So it's not just a selfless love. People oftentimes die as martyrs, but it's not to fool the purposes of God. And this agape love is a selfless love that chooses to perform the purposes of a God so that people can know his love. That's the agape love that we're talking about. The phileo love is a kind of like a lover of a friend or a brotherly or a sisterly love. You know, and then, of course, also in the Greek you have the term eros, which is more of a romantic sexual love, and um, you have the storge love, which is also kind of like an affectionate type of love. But phileo love and agape love is mentioned in the Bible, although the other loves are referred to within the Bible. But the love that God is calling us to is agape love. But oftentimes for us to understand agape love, we need to start to act within phileo love, which is just doing those good things that we need to do. And then God's love comes and it fills us just with something supernatural that's above ourselves. And so we see here in this passage of scripture that Jesus is speaking to Peter here about a love that is relational. And you'll see that in John chapter 21 verse five, Jesus says to Peter, do you love me more than these? It's relational to our work. It's relational to our friends. It's relational to our children. So love is relational. How we treat our children in relation to God answers that question whether we agape God. Some people idolize their children and they make decisions around their children that are not always godly decisions can be similar with our spouse. It can be in relation to our work. If you are moving or wanting to move different places because of your work, you cannot just do it because your boss says move. There has to be a place where we go to God and say, God, is that good with you? That's not being overly spiritual. That is loving God. Got to be in that place where we are able to go to God for that. So he says, that um, love is relational in the context of do you love me more than these? And the disciples were a great band of brothers. They were very close to each other. Jesus had left them and so they felt more akin to one another. And so Jesus looks at them and I think he was talking to them in relation to one another, the relational side of things, and he says, do you love me more than you love John, that you love um, um, uh, Jonas, uh, do you love me more than Luke? Do you love me more than Mark? All of that. Yet he's speaking about the disciples. Do you love me more than these? Love is relational. And especially God's love is deeply relational. He further says, you know, in John chapter 21, verses 19 to 23, he says, follow me. So we see that love truly is relational. If we want to live out our Love, life with others, we've got to follow Jesus. When we follow Jesus, our love is well proportionate to other people. The problem is we get the order wrong. 
We first have to make sure that we follow Jesus and then that type of love will impact how we love one another. I've heard brutal stories of people, families being ripped apart by issues of the day. And I wonder whether we've actually come before Jesus first and where we have said, Lord Jesus, how do I live out this relationship with you before I react like I have with my brothers, my sisters, with my colleagues? Surely, if we're following Jesus, what we do to one another deeply impacts our relationship with him. So love is relational. We can't get away with it. It is a wonderful relational truth. In the beginning, God created Adam. Why? Because God wanted a relationship. Isn't that interesting? He wanted a relationship with man. So it started there. But he also understood that man needed some phileo love and some of the other aspects of love. And he saw that man was alone and so he created Eve. So God's love in connection with the other loves brings it all together in which we call it covenantal love. So agape love is covenantal love. And that's a strong love in which we can hurt one another, but we can still come back and restore that relationship when we follow Jesus. Jesus is the central component in loving our wives, loving our children, loving our husbands, loving our colleagues, and even loving our enemies. Love is relational. And the language here within John chapter 21 is so relational. But love is not just relational. But we also see here that love is tangible. Have you ever met these Christians who are so heavenly minded, they know earthly good? And they will say to you, oh, my brother, I'll pray for you. Or my sister, I'll pray for you. I see you're in need, I'll pray for you. And they never really do something more than pray. Now, praying is important. But love is not just praying for one another. Love is tangible. And Jesus shows this to Peter. He says, Peter, it is important how you treat others and how you feed off of others because love is relational. He says it's important. But he also says that love is tangible. In verse 15, he says, feed my lambs. And then in verse 16, he says, take care of my sheep. And then again in verse 17, he says, feed my sheep. Love is tangible. And my friends, over these times, we have a prayer meeting on Tuesday night, so we are praying in a focused way into the needs of the day. But not only do we have that, we had a lady in our church who's responsible for baking meals within our church, one of the ladies, and she had baked some more meals. She called Jen, and um, Jen practically 
took some of those meals and from time to time those meals are delivered to people who are in, in need. Love is tangible. Love is doing something about things. You know, it is, it is not just saying something. It is doing something. We, uh, uh, we have a family in our church who are new within our church and um, they know that I like spicy food. And so... Um, they're one of the newest couples within our church. And on Thursday or Friday, they dropped off a big tray of biryani, which is just so delicious, you know. And um, uh, there were about four dishes with it, and we had some friends over last night, and we shared the biryani with them. Now, I wanted to eat the biryani just by myself. So beautiful. But we had received an act of love from this family. And now we need to act in love too. And so we shared it with the family last night. There is still some left for lunch. So I hope Jeannie keeps some for me. But that's tangible. Love is tangible, my friends. The relational side of love, if it's not good, it'll affect the tangible side of love. If you are out of sync with your brothers and sisters in Christ, you are going to form your small little group and you're going to have a little group where you are just going to do your little thing and you're going to forget about the tangible aspect of love in loving the body of Christ. My friends, the moment when we get the relational side wrong, it starts to affect all of the other areas. I oftentimes see that people are getting the relational side wrong by what follows within their lives and the decisions that they are making. And that grieves my heart when I see that happening. When I see people just gravitating away from the church, I oftentimes know that there is a relational problem. And oftentimes that relational problem is with Jesus because Jesus says, follow me. And sometimes it is relational to their spouse or sometimes it is relational to other Christians and the tangible aspect of love is no longer there. I want to encourage this as, as a church. I want to encourage you that over this COVID period of time, even with us not mixing together, go back to what the guys did during the first lockdown and knock on someone's door and just leave a parcel of love there. It could be Briani, which is more than a parcel of love. That is just life-giving. <laughs> it could be just a little box of chocolates. But let your Christian life and your love become tangible. Sounds so basic, but it is so important. Jesus said to Peter, he says, Peter, if you agape me, he says, if you love me, with the selfless, God-centered gospel love. If you love me like that, he says, I want you to take care of my sheep. I want you to feed my lambs. Isn't that interesting? Jesus moved to the tangible side of love. Love God relationally and others, but love others tangibly by taking care of their needs. My friends, 
more than ever before, church. Don't get involved in the sideshows. There's all kinds of sideshows happening all over the world. Don't get involved in that. That is not God's work. Start to get involved in taking care of the lambs, taking care of the sheep. And that is what Peter had to focus on. So it's not just being totally spiritual by having a relationship with Jesus, yet a praying and fasting and worshiping and doing all of those things. Jesus says, while we're doing that now, I want you to take care of my sheep, to take care of my lambs. Take care of those who can't take care of themselves. That's love. Instead of focusing on all of the sideshows out there. I can name them to you, but I think you exactly know what I'm talking about. Keep your focus on gospel love, gospel-centered love. I spoke to a friend of mine, and um, she called me this past week, and we had a number of conversations about the things that was happening all over the world. And I believe the Holy Spirit gave me wisdom as I spoke to her and she was talking about the things that are currently happening. And I felt the Holy Spirit dropped a certain truth within my heart that I shared with her. And this is the quote I shared with her. I said to her, we should be mission-led Christians rather than cause-driven Christians. I want you to write that down. We should be mission-led rather than cause-driven. When we are cause-driven, we start to forget to feed the lambs. We start to forget to take care of the sheep. You see, that's part of the mission that God has given to us to be gospel-centered. And when you look at Peter's life, you will see that he stayed the cause. James chapter 2 verse 14 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but not have deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you say to him, Go in peace, keep warm, and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. And you can almost put the word love in the place of faith there. How are we loving at the moment? Are we worshiping at the altar of self? during these times? What is important to me? Are you worshiping at the altar of self-opinion? Are you worshiping at the altar of self-importance in a real sense of self-entitlement? Are you worshiping at the altar of self-fulfillment? I've, I've got to fulfill myself. What can I get out of this? Or even the altar of self-protection. What about me? The love that God is calling us to, my friends, 
is a love that is costly. It's sacrificial, absolutely. He speaks to Peter about that. He says, you're gonna be dying for the cause of the gospel. It is costly. It is self-sacrificial. But he also says that this love is possible. And he commissions him to take care of his sheep. So my friends, I want to encourage us over the next few weeks as we look at the subject of love that we would embrace this conversation that Jesus is having with Peter. I want to ask you personally today to step into John 21 and allow the Holy Spirit through the word of God to have a conversation with you and for you to answer in the way that you feel you can. And so I want to pray for us now and then we're going to sing a song of worship together. But I'd like to pray for us concerning our love for one another but so importantly our love for God. Father, as we come before you, we want to thank you for the privilege of worshipping at the altar of self-sacrifice at the altar of agape love at the altar Jesus where you are seen and where your love is truly transformational in nature and Lord even as we've looked at the scripture this morning we pray that the Holy Spirit through your word would teach us how to love one another well Teach us how to love the world with your love. But most of all, that you would teach us how to follow you as we walk with you. And so would you receive our sacrifice of worship as we come and as we sing together now. In Jesus' name.